0: I was just angry at that time, at 15. And so I decided not to use the black bathroom, but to use the white men's bathroom. And probably would have been able to get away with it, except I um, decided to check out the white women's bathroom. And that was the mistake.
1: Howard Lee grew up in Georgia in the 1940s. As a black student, he saw the disparities between his school and schools for white children access to new textbooks, new furniture, and even simple supplies like pencils and paper. Thanks to the teachers who instilled a sense of self-confidence in him, he graduated second in his class with aspirations of becoming a doctor, but that's not what he wound up doing with his career. On this episode of Well Said, Howard, who earned his master's degree at Carolina's School of Social Work, tells us how he was elected the first black mayor of a majority white city in the south and the obstacles he faced getting there. After graduating from Fort Valley State College in 1959, Howard was drafted into the military to serve in Korea, where he lived in an integrated environment for the first time.
0: For the first time, I felt a sense of value, but more importantly, I felt a sense of freedom, that I didn't have to look over my shoulder to see if I was behaving in the wrong way to generate a destructive reaction from some of the folk back in Georgia, whites in relation to blacks. And while I was in the military service, I was chosen to be head of a barrack. And so I had all these white boys from Mississippi and Alabama who were part of my team in that barrack They resented me, but it taught me a lesson because up to that point, I absolutely despised Southern whites uh, with a passion. Uh, Even if I heard a Southern accent, it would send me off and I'd wanna just do something to destroy it. But I learned from that experience that that is a debilitating Mm -hmm. enslaved attitude that can destroy one. So I learned to accept these fellows for who they were.
1: When he returned to Georgia in 1961, the feelings of freedom from living in an integrated environment started to fade.
0: So when I came back, I didn't feel quite as constricted as I had before I left. And I recognized that there were certain people who would behave in a certain way and I had to make the appropriate response in relation to that if I were to survive. So that's how I made the transition back and, and was able to avoid getting into um, difficulties uh, that, uh, that I wouldn't get out of. See, when I was 15 years old, I mounted my first protest. And I mounted that protest because I had watched my father be insulted by a white grocery store owner. And I um, decided I needed to go to the bathroom. I went to the black bathroom because bathrooms were segregated, white men, white women, and then colored, and both black men and women used the same bathroom. And this was the dirtiest bathroom I'd ever been in. But I was just, I was just angry at that time, at 15. And so I decided not to use the black bathroom, but to use the white men's bathroom and probably would have been able to get away with it, except I um, decided to check out the white women's bathroom. And that was the mistake. And I was accosted by a group of Klansmen, but there was a lesson learned there, two lessons. One is that I learned that I could never take the system directly head-on and win. I just couldn't do it. The system was too strong. The second was... I had grown up thinking I will leave the South and go to New York, Chicago, anywhere to get out of the South as soon as I reached the age of majority. And on that day I decided I'd never leave the South, absolutely never. And I would stay and do whatever I could to help bring about change in the South. And that totally changed my commitment and my mind, but it was a struggle living through all those years trying to maintain the right steps and moving in the right direction and trying to dodge making sure that i didn't get into into trouble so when i got back i i I didn't feel a sense of total freedom but i felt a sense of greater freedom than i would felt before
1: it was easy for howard to forget the feeling he experienced in korea especially after seeing how little the attitude of segregation was changing in Georgia.
0: So I, d- I really did lose hope that society was gonna open up, but then the Civil Rights Movement came along and I was in Savannah, Georgia. And the reason I got discovered by, by Dr. Frank Potter Graham was that uh, he had come to Savannah to make a speech and I had befriended another role model of mine, a fellow by the name of Frank Spencer, who was a very good friend of Dr. Martin Luther King. And he invited my wife and me to come hear Dr. Graham speak in the public library, which was segregated. We were not allowed to go in the front door as blacks in the in the public library. And an older lady comes in while my wife and I are sitting on the front row and started protesting and banging a cane and carrying on. And Dr. Graham was really mesmerized by this. Afterwards, he wanted to meet, My wife and me, which we did, and asked what my plans were for the future. And I said, I don't have any plans. I've thought about applying to graduate school at the University of Georgia. So Dr. Graham made a joke. He said, If you really want to go to a real university, you'll come to the University of North Carolina. My wife and I didn't have any money. Uh, We had a little small house and a couple of kids and just didn't have the money to do it. And he said, If you can get accepted, I'll make sure you get the money to go to school.
1: Howard took the deal from Frank Porter Graham. He was his role model and past president of the UNC system. So Howard and his family moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina in 1964.
0: So living in Chapel Hill, uh, we decided to go out and buy a house and not only one realtor in town would even show us a house outside of the traditional black community, much less sell us a house. So I had uh, access to VA benefits, and the developer of the new subdivision were receiving federal dollars, so the federal government directed that they could not discriminate. We moved in, and we lived under the threat of death for the next year, us and our kids. And uh, we had to have police escorts in front of the house, and we had to have uh, police uh, patrolling the school to make sure that nothing happened to our kids. And it was almost a throwback to what I had experienced growing up in, in Georgia, including a group of teenagers who one night decided to burn a cross in our yard.
1: He found acceptance as a master student.
0: And out of a class of 40 students that first year, just two of us were black, myself and one other male. Amazingly enough, Uh, The students in the School of Social Work embraced us. And, uh, of course, we uh, just simply uh, didn't feel any different from any other student, and that certainly gave me a return to my military service. But the difference was that this time it was a voluntary desegregated environment as opposed to a mandated. And so that started uh, me on a road of feeling recertified as a a person.
1: While he was in school at Carolina, he focused a lot of his research on how social work would need to change in order to accommodate the growing needs of society at the time. Little did he know that his research, plus being elected vice president of the Student Association of Social Workers in his first year and president the following year, would be the foundation for his long career in politics. He looked at the life he and his family were living, being harassed for their race and even requiring a police escort, and he knew what he had to do.
0: I uh, decided to run for mayor. Not so much to win, because I didn't think a black person would be elected mayor in Chapel Hill, but to make a point, to push certain issues that needed to be dealt with. And because Chapel Hill is a progressive community and the university is a progressive university, I thought we could get policies changed.
1: Many in Chapel Hill weren't pleased that Howard had announced his candidacy for mayor of Chapel Hill.
0: And it did split the town. And it wasn't just conservatives in Chapel Hill who really had problems with me running. There were a lot of liberals in Chapel Hill who, some of whom came to me and said, you know, you're you're Johnny-come-lately. You hadn't been here that long. I'd only been in Chapel Hill four years. And um, you're just gonna make life a lot. And then even in the black community, there were blacks who came to me and said, you know, you're just gonna make life miserable for us. And as some of them put it, quote, these white folk don't like us anyway, and they're gonna make life miserable and they're not gonna do anything for us, end of quote. And it didn't make any difference that they had no paved streets in the black community and that they were not getting sewer and water services in the black community. They just felt like that I was disrupting life, and I was. I was just I disrupted uh, Chapel Hill when I decided to buy that house.
1: Disrupted is definitely an accurate way to describe Howard's impact on Chapel Hill. No one, even Howard himself, thought that he would be elected the first black mayor of the city. But in 1969, Howard made history.
0: Oh, it's the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, I just absolutely marveled in, in this. But the thing, there were certain challenges, though. For example, I always knew that if I got elected mayor, the black community would want me to give them special attention. They've been denied all these services all these years, and I didn't have the power to do that. I knew that I didn't have the power, and so my concern was... How do I let these folk down gently to understand that I can't resolve all of these historical challenges in in, in in the first year the first month? But there was an older lady that came to see me after I'd been in office for two months and said, Mr. May, I've been waiting for two months now to get this road paved in front of my house and nothing's happened yet. When are you going to do it? And I had to explain to her that it didn't work that way. She was not happy. But there were a lot of problems in the black community. And so during the campaign, I I made it very clear because I'd begun to pick up some of these vibes of the expectations coming out of the black community that I would never uh, make decisions based on race, that I would make decisions based on priority needs. And so when the time came for me to have to confront them with reality, I would remind them, I would determine if it's the highest priority, and if so, we will respond to it.
1: Throughout his time as mayor, Howard encountered many high-priority situations. He worked to resolve poor conditions in the black community, including unpaved streets and a lack of sewer and water services into certain sections. He also worked alongside Bill Friday, president of the UNC system, to resolve the food worker strike at Carolina in 1969.
0: When I arrived here, there were two separate school systems. We integrated the schools, but in doing so, nothing was transferred from the old black high school to the white high school. So the black kids had to adopt everything that was already in the in the predominantly white high in the white high school. That was a seething, underlying um, volcano that was waiting to re- to erupt, and just as I mentioned early on people felt a sense of freedom it erupted during my second year as male so i had to deal with that and these people were angry so we finally negotiated uh, agreements to get that uh, uh, rectified and of course then black students didn't feel that they were getting uh, the kind of attention but that went away and my wife became uh, dean of the of the students at chapel hill high school and she and others were able to mediate and make sure that kids were held accountable and uh, teachers were held accountable. Uh, look at Chapel Hill today, and um, the community itself has really made uh, progress in terms of acceptance.
1: Being elected mayor of Chapel Hill was the first of many achievements for Howard. He was appointed secretary of the Department of Natural Resources and Community Development, as well as elected to the North Carolina State Senate. He even served as chairman of the North Carolina State Board of Education, as well as a professor in the School of Social Work at Carolina. In his retirement, he founded the Howard N. Lee Institute, which works to provide at-risk children in North Carolina access to a quality educational experience.
0: What I learned during the time I served as uh, the North Carolina chairman of State Board of Education was that there were many challenging barriers that prevented a lot of low-income students, especially black males, from having full access to the most rigorous courses in our schools. This institute I created in order to try and remedy that, uh, that challenge, and have had a phenomenal run for the last five years of raising about three quarters of a million dollars and giving grants to schools to set up pilot projects which I am hopeful will continue to be embedded as a part of their overall operation. And uh, that many of these youngsters who might otherwise be overlooked would, would have an opportunity to put themselves on track to both uh, have a decision about whether to go on for higher education and if so, be successful, or if they choose another route for a lifelong career.
1: While Howard may be best known as the first African-American mayor of a majority white town in the South, there's no question he's left a legacy that goes much further.
0: So my political uh, journey began here. I I had a wonderful, wonderful experience here in the School of Social Work. So I think that there's some destiny that brought me to this place. I didn't plan to come to Chapel Hill. I had no idea where Chapel Hill was and didn't care about the University of North Carolina. Uh, But the have been invited to by Dr. Spencer to come and hear Dr. Graham and then have that connection to be made, I think is, uh, just makes me feel like I'm extremely, extremely lucky to, uh, to do that. But what I say to young people is, you may get an opportunity, but if you miss taking full advantage of that opportunity, if you miss preparing yourself, knowing that an opportunity may come and you have to be ready, then that's when you could end up losing the great chance to become someone successful.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Well Said, the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. If you're interested in learning more about the Howard and Lee Institute, visit howardleeinstitute.org. You can also read about Howard's story in his memoir, The Courage to Lead. Do you have an idea for an upcoming episode of Well Said? Send us a tweet at UNC or shoot us an email at wellsaid@unc.edu. You can find Well Said wherever you get podcasts. So we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review. See you next week.